0: If you have your Bibles tonight. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter six, uh, verses one through nine, as we uh, again look at God's Word? And tonight uh, we're going to be looking at submitting in the fear of God. Can I say that this uh, particular sermon is of great uh, conviction as we think about what it means to submit? In the fear of God. And uh, many times we have this idea of submission up to a point. But God has called us to submission in fullness and completeness. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. and Thou mayest live long on the earth. And, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as I come before your, your throne, and Lord, as we look at a passage of Scripture, that really is a good test of our spirituality and a good test of our obedience. Father, in respect to our submission to you and to authority, Father, I need your help. Lord, may I speak the words that you give. May they be accurate and precise. Lord, you guide my thoughts, guide my lips. May you be glorified. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for setting the example. Thank you for the salvation that only you can give. And so, Lord, I commit it all to you. I love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture tonight uh, with respect to submitting in the fear of God. We're going to look at a number of submission problems here, and the fear of the Lord must be nurtured before a right response is forthcoming. I'm going to read several illustrations or several scenarios uh, of individuals who have a wrong view of authority. Really, and a wrong view of obedience. Jessica, here's several of these. Let me read these for you. Jessica, who's 15 years old and pregnant, uh, and just, she runs away from her 17-year-old, she runs away with her 17-year-old boyfriend, leaving her parents a note that she is tired of their restrictions. Teresa, whom I mentioned last week, the wife of Joel, whom we met last week, has just announced to Joel that she's consulting with her attorney. She's leaving Joel. She's leaving with her children, with whom he's been very mean and very harsh with. He's destroyed. He's going to have to pick up the pieces on his own. And she's been helped helped a great deal through this whole ordeal by a divorcee at work. Oh, and by the way, she's moving in with him. Another person, new government regulations, require that particular safeguards be set up in work areas where certain chemicals are stored. And a gentleman named Bill, a worker in the chemical storage uh, area of a manufacturing company, he thinks that these regulations by the government ought to be enforced in his department. His supervisor tells him that the higher-ups have decided they don't have to follow these new regulations since the chemicals they store, though similar, are not on the list. And so Bill says, "Well, I'm a black and white kind of guy and he's furious." So he goes, you know, he he denounces what the higher-ups and the authorities are doing as that they're just doing anything for a buck. And he threatens to quit. There's a Pastor Phillips, and he has a Pastor Jake who's a who ministers to the youth. And this youth pastor, Pastor Jake, is not careful in the kind of music. He's bringing in music which is leaning towards quote-unquote Christian rock. I would not call rock Christian, but it would have that title with it. And he defends his actions by citing certain parents and their teens who are happy with the fresh new ideas. And He has the attitude that God counts the heart attitude, not man-made standards, and thus he's trying to demi- uh, undermine the authority of the pastor. Phil, we mentioned him last time, Phil and Teresa. Phil, was, he was into pornography, he was into internet day trading, he was uh, absent from the family. And his wife got up one night and she goes out to the garage and there he is almost committing suicide and rushes into the emergency room and he's almost dead. From carbon monoxide. What's wrong in all of these pictures? There is a biblical submission. Jessica's lack of submission to her parents. Teresa's divorce threat against Bill. The pastor's wishes Phil's stubbornness. Jake's undermining of the pastor's wishes. I mean, all of this is a lack of submission to authority. In every case, the authorities have the right and the responsibility to insist that their wishes are followed. Phil displays obvious despair. Now, there can be a loss of hope in these these scenarios that I'm giving. But in each and every one here, there's a fear of God missing from the authority in their life had there been a fear of God, they would not have been in this position. Because the fear of God brings humility, but it also brings hope. It is certainly easier to submit to authorities who have a greatness about them. You think about this, you know, in their power there's a greatness, but with that greatness there comes a goodness where you have a compassionate caring authority. That makes it a lot easier. It's a lot harder to yield to either a passive authority or a tyrannical authority. Authority that is a dictator is very hard to yield to. What is the answer? The answer is the fear of God. And if a man has a hard view of God, he will have a hard view of authorities. If you have the wrong view of God, you have a wrong view of authority. Now, as we look at these, uh, the grand reality is that God is the creator. And man is the creature. And and in that trademark, that TM there on the right-hand side... You and I, as believers, have been called as a trademark of God to exhibit God to the world. We're God's image bearers. We're not God. He's God. But we're His image bearers to the world because I am the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and so are you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 6. And so we have the responsibility, the grand reality is that God is the authority. When I am serving, you see, biblical sovereignty and the greatness and goodness of God is that God is the authority. When I'm submitting to authority that is uh, dictatorial, tyrannical, I'm not doing it to them, I'm doing it as unto God. I'd like you to look with me at Matthew chapter 8. Jesus remarks on the faith and the maturity of a man who wasn't even a Jew. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. To the extent that we fear the Lord, we will respond biblically to our authorities. Matthew 8, 5, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and do another To another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What is he saying here? The centurion understands the authority of Jesus Christ. He understands the power that Jesus Christ manifests, reveals, to those to whom he heals. I mean, this... This Gentile exercises a greater faith than those who are the Jews who supposedly had the faith, though they didn't. We must begin. We might begin our obedience to our parents, teachers, and other listeners or other leaders. Excuse me. With a slavish fear, but it takes. You know, sometimes we have authority, and we're kind of like ah. You know, you're just you're scared of authority. But it takes a mature fear of the Lord to respond to authority and humility that sees God as overall. You see, he's our goal. I need to look at his love for me and, and my trust in his wisdom. I want to look at a few more things here, two common failures that we find oftentimes in uh, Christianity. In the last sermon, we saw that some rulers can rule with too much authoritarianism. They can just be very heavy-handed. Where some can be so heavy, others can be so passive and just remove themselves from the situation. So you have the two extremes. Some are very heavy-handed, you know, do what I say, you know, and others are very passive. But there is a self-serving defiance. This person pleases himself by opposing his authority. There's a self-serving defiance. This is the spirit of the prodigal son. Give me my inheritance. Give me what what I deserve. And his pride demanded more freedom. This person pleases themselves by opposing authority. They demand freedom. Luke 15:12, and the younger of them said to his father, "This is the prodigal son, "Father, give me the portions of good that faileth to me, and divide in them his living." He wanted life on his terms. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's kind of all of our natural bent. That's where we all are naturally moving. I want to do life my way. Give it to me. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What happens though? When I live life my way, in my quote unquote freedom, it brings destruction, increased sorrow, increased pain. And God can let people, if they go their own way, to self-destruct. You know, most people have the idea today that they're free to do as they want. I mean, uh, we have a society that supposedly has more freedom than ever before. And yet we find a civilization, Canada, the states around the world, There's plunging. Headlong. I mean, it's like full throttle on a plane headed towards the ground into destruction. I mean, you talk about suicide and mental health and everything else. Because people want to live life their way. It was exactly what happened with Noah. Everyone did it after the imagination of their own heart. And what happens is they're adding Corruption. The same pride in a man that demands the right to make its own decisions will pollute every decision that that man makes. You say, I'm going to do it my way. Okay. I don't need God telling me what to do. I don't need those old rules. I don't need boundaries. Okay. You go that path. And sometime later, years, months, days later, you find yourself in situations, you said, how in the world did I ever get here? This isn't what I planned. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs four twenty three, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you don't guard your heart, and your heart is not submitted in the fear of God, with a rever- when I'm talking about the fear of God, I'm not talking about... Uh, a, a situation where someone has a baseball bat and they said, I'm going to beat you with it. That's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about a reverence for God. Such a great respect for Him that I don't want to displease Him. That I love Him. That fear of God is a reverence and an awe. You know, sometimes, and this is a, a not a great illustration, but imagine... Someone could be in the presence, and, and this is, we have the idolatry of our days, you know, there's, there's people with whom you're like, oh, you know, you see these pictures uh, of these singers and all these, and these people go to this and they're just like, oh, I touched the hand of so-and-so, and it's idolatrous, but in even a, a greater fashion than I get to be in the presence of God, that reverence and absolute respect for him. I'd like you, another illustration for you. There's this gentleman named Kevin, not his real name. He was a, a dishwasher at a university, a Christian university, and, and uh, he had served thousands of faculty and staff, and, and there was a new manager that came on in the dining room, and, and um, he comes to the author, and he says, uh, uh, my new manager, he wants to change things up. He says, I'm, uh, it's, it's not going to work. He said, I've I've been here since my uh, first year in university. He was near his end and graduating soon. And he said, I've been here for a long time. I I have done more than, I mean, I know more about dishwashing than anyone else. He said, I've done a lot of dishwashing. He said, this new policy that's coming down, it's just not going to work. It's going to cost more money. It's bad stewardship. I mean, he's just beside himself in anger. As he talks with a a a, a man in the ministry, the the guy, Jim Berg, he listens and he he says, well, have you done anything about it? He said, yeah, I went to my manager. My manager says, well, we're going to do what the dining supervisor says. But he said, that doesn't make sense. But that's bad stewardship. Why would you want to go through with a situation that doesn't make sense. And a situation that could cost more money, and it's just bad stewardship. And He finally summarizes the, the concerns of this young man, Kevin, not his real name. Then he says, I guess God is more concerned about cleaning up your dirty heart than he is about cleaning up dirty dishes. And the young man admits, yes, my heart is in the right place. But I'm concerned with God's stewardship of God's money. This just isn't right. I mean, we're going to go a path that's going to cost the university more money. And here's a statement. He said, I reminded him that God trashed the whole earth once in a flood to make a statement about human hearts and asked him, was that poor stewardship? God would ruin the earth, destroy the earth, all but eight persons because of human hearts. We can insist that we're right. We can insist that they're wrong, but I can do it with a wrong heart. We often think we're arguing with our authorities and that my point is more important than a submission to authority. Jesus Christ didn't die for dishes. He didn't die for the stewardship, of cost savings. He died to forgive sins. The sins of rebellious and unbelieving hearts. And that man, Kevin, a young man, is demonstrating an unsubmissive, self-serving defiance. I want you to remember in the Scriptures that Paul and Peter... Lord Jesus Christ, they were under Roman rule. Nero was not a good guy. I mean, if you want to talk about a bad man in government, it's Nero. He would literally take Christians, impale them on a pole, dip them in tar, light them on fire, and they were the lights for his parties that had egregious sins. And this This, you know what, (laughs) it definitely convicts my heart. Romans 13. We have to understand as we think about submitting in the fear of God. Romans 13, 1 through 8. I only have verse 1 up there, so you'll need to look at it to look at all eight verses. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And They that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's a condemnation. That's a, a greater difficulty. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. Thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And as we see this very thing here, there's verse two, but. Colossians uh, 3, 22, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Ephesians 6, 5, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. When I am submitting to my boss, I'm doing it as unto Christ. You could say, I hate my authority. I hate those who are over me. But I'm not doing it to them. I'm doing it to Jesus Christ. As I mentioned earlier, we bear the trademark of God as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a blood-born-again, Bible-believing Christian. I am a trademark that I ought to exemplify to the world, God. And I'm preaching to myself. It is not the fear of man, but the reverential fear of God, of which the apostle speaks as what, follows, as what follows clearly proves. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. What is that froward there? that word froward, the unreasonable ones. You mean that boss there in the dishroom who's going to waste money, but I've got to do it? I'm telling you, yes. Yes. Because they're, as a boss, they're going to have to answer for their stewardship. And maybe they see some things you don't. But I'm right. They're wrong. God, you got it all wrong. How's your heart? And I understand it, because I, I struggle in my own heart in this. A God-fearing believer will submit to his authorities. First Peter three, one and two, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Ephesians 5.22, very similar. Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit yourselves and your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Talks about masters, husbands. So it talks about wives and their submission, but then it talks about husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Nevertheless, let every one of you particular so love his wife, even as himself. Ephesians 5.25 and 33. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Husbands, love your wives, be not bitter against them. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, lest they be or to anger, lest they be discouraged. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. James 3:1, my brethren, be not many masters. Don't ambis- don't don't be ambitious to be a leader, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. If you're a leader, husbands, fathers, leaders, pastors, leadership brings greater condemnation from God. 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The weaker there might just, in, in the physical sense, but that weaker doesn't mean lesser. They're equal. Man and woman are equal. Different, but equal. As these verses and these scriptures are written here in the first century, many of the believers would be slaves, husbands, wives, children, so on and so forth. A God-fearing believer submits to authority, not disobedient, not demanding more freedom. There's not a self-serving defiance. I will get my way. Then we come to this deference. A self-serving deference means that we yield to our authorities because it gets us what we want. This is the spirit of the older brother. Remember in the prodigal son? His pride demanded more recognition. But I haven't left. I mean, my brother, he squandered the entire inheritance and you slew, slew the, the fatted calf and you threw a party for him. But I've been faithful. Dad, what have you done for me? I need more recognition. I need more appreciation. I mean, don't you see all that I've done? The Bible tells us, Ephesians 6, 5-8, through 8, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Bond or free, whether you're in shackles or not. Whether you're in chains or not, I don't serve and I don't live out my life to receive the applause of men. When I say men, I'm talking all humans. I'm not doing it to be seen of you. And you're not doing it to be seen of me. You're doing it as unto Christ. That's Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Servants in all things, obey your masters, in all obey in all things your master according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleasers but in singleness of heart fearing god and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the lord and not unto men that's colossians 3 verse 24 of colossians 3 knowing that of the lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the lord christ but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect to person god doesn't care what culture you're from god doesn't care if you're man or woman singleness of heart fearing god that's what god's called us to first peter 2 18 through 23 look look with me here can i tell you in my flesh uh, this truth in my flesh it does exactly there bristles at having to obey you know, your natural self says, but I'm right, they're wrong. And the hair on your, you know, if you think about, sometimes our dogs at home, we have two dogs, and, and uh, the smaller dog, Sadie, will sometimes get irritated with the puppy, and, and uh, the hair on her back, it'll all come up, you know, and she's frustrated with the puppy who wants to play with her, and she's like, leave me all alone, I'm an old lady, you know. And First uh, Peter two eighteen, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also the froward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted, means beaten up for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, he should follow his step. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. The self-serving deference is, you know, John Bunyan's slavish fear. Uh, it's the opposite of the sun-like fear. You know, a slave obeys because he's afraid if I don't. Remember, you think about slavery, you think, if I don't obey, I'm going to get a beating. Right? That's, a, that's not what I'm talking about here. It's not self-serving. It puts, you know, there's oftentimes a putting of self before God and others. And we can be flexible in our selfish responses. But the liberating answer and the hope is the fear of God. Both of the self-serving responses we have looked at lack humility. It it pursues one's own way. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Many times we say, well, I'll kind of do this quid pro quo, I'll tit for tat, I'll give you what you want, you give me what I want. And, and that's kind of, you know, I'll, I'll give a little, you give a little, and, and we'll make it, right? But it's self-serving. And it destroys whole because my, I'm still elevating myself. Self-serving defiance will destroy hope. And what happens? A disobedient man will alienate himself from God. The more someone, you know, if somebody starts getting out of church and they start walking away, what, they, what is oftentimes happens when someone begins to walk away from church? There's too many rules, there's too much hypocrisy. And they begin to elevate themselves as a judge. Rather than saying... Now, there could be a a case, uh, you know, in doctrinal, where the church is going, okay, so I'm not giving it. But many times, when someone is at a good church, they go away and they said, it's too many rules. They're too legalistic. And they begin to, because they're not wanting to submit to authority. And an individual will try to go into all sorts of things. I'm now having fun. I'm no longer bound by all this stuff in the church. And and people bring all sorts of excuses. I'm now able to be at peace. Okay, you might have peace for a little bit. The prodigal son had peace, maybe some peace for a little bit. Ended up finding himself there in the you know, the, the pig pen. And it will self serving deference eventually destroys hope as well. No matter how much a person submits, if submission is not done in the power of the Spirit with a submissive heart, you'll become weary. You can serve God in your own heart, but if you're not doing it in the fear of God, you will become wearied and you'll want to quit. And you may not have someone with whom is an authority in your life who's maybe kind. The Bible lets us know that I am serving as unto Christ. What does God want us to do? God wants to be first in our life. Titus 2, 9 and 10 exhorts servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things. A mistreated slave, let me read this for you, a mistreated slave could show that God is first if he obeyed his master, not answering again, not giving any back talk, if he refrained from purloining. That word purloining means refusing to pilfer from his boss though he wasn't getting paid what he deserved. And if he showed all good fidelity, faithfully fulfilling his obligations. You know, but a wife might say, God expects me or tells me to obey my husband. But what if I don't trust his decisions? God never commands to trust. 1 Peter 3 1 through 6, we see this. Let's look at me here, 1 Peter 3, if you're still there. What if I don't trust his decisions? Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husband, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. God never calls us to necessarily trust our authorities. But he does call us to obey and trust him. And and as we look at this, as you see these truths here, the dilemma is a dilemma. There's a, the author tells us a certain illustration of Bob, And uh, the author was one night, he was there in a a rough end of town with some gangs, and he was riding in the police car with this guy. And uh, he was thankful he was in a car that had, you know, bulletproof glass, he had a gun there, and and all of these things are going on. And he was, you know, he was impressed with all the radio communication that this officer had. And, uh, you know, he said, I had a, a, a time here of, I was put at rest because I realized I was in a safe vehicle. You know what, sometimes we don't understand where I'm at, and so we have a hard time trusting God because I don't know where I'm at. I don't know I don't know God. Imagine you're out walking around and someone comes up to you, a complete stranger at the mall or you're in town and someone says, "Hey, can you give me 50 bucks? I'll pay you back. Give me your name, address, and phone number and I'll pay you back." I I I rather doubt any of us would say, "Oh yeah, here's 50 bucks. Here's my name, my address, and phone number and you would just give it to." I think most of them would say, "Well, um no thanks, I'll pass. I think that would be probably because you don't know the person. Now, imagine if it's a child, a grandchild, a, 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 a close friend, and they said, hey, I'll pay you back, I promise. Uh, can I get 50 bucks? I, I just, you know, my paycheck didn't quite go through, I need it, I'll give you 50 bucks. Sure, you know them, right? Many times, if you know the character, of the individual asking you, you're more likely to give it because you know them. We cannot make any decisions without believing somebody, and you're willing to help someone whom you regard highly. The test of our spiritual life is who we are believing with our faith, God or our own heart. And that's where this decision-making comes in, in submission and the fear of God. You know, in, the, in our, our, our theme for this year, with Dave, or Jonathan, excuse me, going into battle against the Philistines, he said, if the Lord be for us, you know, and, and the idea here is that God, he said, if God is for us, and the Philistines say, come up. And then he says, and then he makes that statement, right? There's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. He says, come up, armor bear. God has given to us the Philistines. Because he understood there was a bunch of Jewish men in the battle that were crippled by fear because they didn't know God. And we don't move forward for God. We don't move forward in obedience to authorities in our life because I don't know God. And I'm guilty of that. We form our view of God on hearsay. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? John 8, 44, you have your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan keeps my heart under his rule by scandalizing God. You can't trust God. The situation's too difficult. You, You just can't do this. It's too difficult. You'll never get out of the trap of your life. You're stuck in it. Those are lies. He blinds the minds of them. The Bible speaks about faith. And the problem is, I place a faith in the wrong person, either in myself or someone else, and you get burned. We cannot make any decisions without believing somebody. The test of our spiritual life is whom are we believing with our faith, God or our own heart? We have such a low view of God. If the request is unreasonable, we are to change our desires. Only God's authority is absolute. Froward, in 1 Peter 2, servants be subject uh, to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also the froward, the unreasonable. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, Philippians 4.11. Pastor, I know that's true. I, I know that's what the Bible says, and I know it's true, but... You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know what I've had to go through. You don't know how hard it is. And I agree with you, from me personally, and my flesh. The fear of God is ultimately a test. Is God who he says he is in the Bible? Do I believe he is who he says he is in the Bible? Is he my authority? The Apostle Paul would go on to say in Philippians 4, 12, and 13, I know both how to be a base, I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm, I'm instructed. It means that like this, you know, kind of having learned the intimate secret to the Christian life, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You mean, God, I got to submit to authority even though it could be painful? Yeah. And you appeal to your authority? You appeal to things that are wrong, and you do it the best as you can. You appeal to the authority. The authority is wrong. There's some rules against them. I mean, we have the Constitution and things in our our land, and we appeal to that, right? In opposition, you do it with the right heart. Many times we have such a Western thinking about thing that, you know, in response to authority... But unfortunately, our Western thinking imposes this upon the Bible and it rests the Scriptures, it twists the Scriptures to conform to my viewpoint. If the authority's request is unbiblical, we should appeal, and we should. Going on. If the appeal is rejected, we must respectfully refuse to submit and learn to rejoice in our suffering if our appeal is not accepted, and we suffer for doing right, then I praise the Lord and I rejoice in it. Can I tell you, my flesh doesn't like that. You know, Peter would say we ought to obey God rather than men in Acts 5.29. Acts 5.41 and 42, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. We're not to forsake ourselves, right? The assembling of ourselves together. And, and imagine there is a, an unsaved husband who tells his wife, you can go to church once a week, and, and there's some challenges with that. But yet she still wants to win the heart of her husband. Now if that husband starts beating her, or being very abusive in some way, then it's appropriate for her to leave that situation. She's not divorcing, but she's separating for her own safety. That she ought to do. Until things can be remedied. Because he has abdicated, you know, he's physically harming her and she ought to leave. Pray for her husband, be faithful to God. And many times we're failing to deal biblically with things. We will never come up with humble, hope-filled responses Until we see clearly that the sovereign God who is over all is great and good to all. Strong Christian homes cannot be built out of weak Christians. We have to have a right response to authority. We have not done well in many churches in the fear of God. We've come up with our watered down versions of it's okay to reject authority in this case. What does God think? If we don't get this right, then we are refusing the authority and the power of God on our lives. God has to be first. Several questions for you. List those whom God has placed in your life as your direct authorities. If you were to reflect on that. In what ways do you exhibit a self-serving defiance to your authorities? You disobey them either to their face or behind their back. You badmouth them in their face or behind their back. In what ways do you exhibit a self-serving deference to your authority? You obey them outwardly, but you're doing so not because you see God in the picture, but because your obedience gets you what you want. Think of your last arguments or disagreement with authority. Were you more aware of the issue you disagreed upon or the issues of your own heart's response? Is it in your disagreement, was it more about you being right than being right in heart? I'm going to get my point across. I'm going to win this argument. Or I'm going to make my point in Christ with a right, submissive, humble, patient heart, and I will let God deal with them. Number five, if you had a more mature fear of the Lord, how would that change the way you relate to your authorities? And last of all, do we really need more self-esteem? The author's daughter is a teacher, and she has a lot of children from some very troubled homes, broken homes, largely underprivileged children, with no encouragement at home. And uh, these children have a lot of problems and struggles, and you know the treatment is many times, well, you have too low of a self-esteem of yourself. But the children, though they had bad homes, they had a lack of humility and a lack of hope. Those acting up were not taught how to subordinate themselves under leadership. Remember, years ago, I know where I was, when I was growing up, it was always as an, uh, an adult was always Mr. and Mrs. last name. That was always I mean, if I'm going to show respect to authority, Mr. and Mrs. or last and last name. now I understand there's some differences, but there was a respect for authority and we don't have that anymore i mean these children they're acting up they have no humility those who were withdrawn and self-protective had never received any encouragement or instruction for life so they had no reason to hope right you're trying to do life on your own in their own ba- but we need boundaries So they need someone that loves them and cares for them, gives them good instruction, but within boundaries. The solution is the interaction of a sovereign in their lives who has both greatness and goodness. I'm talking about someone who's an authority, a ruler, in their lives, who leads them with instruction, but also compassion. What society has called low self-esteem in most cases is essentially a lack of hope. You know what? If a kid may try doing something. I can't do this. I'm a loser. I, I'm not good at education. I'm not good at this, right? But imagine you have someone who actually cares for You said, no, you're going to stay with it. You started it. You're going to finish it. But I'm going to help you. I'll walk with you. Okay but this is too hard. And that person says, no, you made a commitment. You're going to start it. You're going to finish it. But I'll walk with you. And when they get done, they'll be like, oh, you know what? I'm thankful that you cared. You didn't let me quit. You know what? I can do more. Because you gave them a hope that they could finish something. There's a loving involvement. And God builds hope in his children. And you're saying, it's too hard. God, I can't submit to my authority. You don't know who they are. You don't know what I've had to deal with. God says, yes, I do. I set the example, Jesus Christ. A teacher or parent who leads with a firm but loving interaction will be feared because you don't want to displease them. And our desire is that God would raise up a generation of believing parents and teachers and believers that would fear God, walk in the fear of God. And we would exercise a biblical sovereignty that He is the authority. And that's all I'm expected to follow. And as I follow Him, I'll follow that which God has placed in my life. Really is the first step in learning to fear the Lord. So come to the invitation this evening. 1 Peter 2 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Submitting in the fear of God. The question is, in your heart, who are you willing to submit to? And many times we say, well, I can't submit to them because look at what they have. Look at what they're doing. I'm not submitting to them. I remember I had that mindset when I was in the military. I was in boot camp and I said, I'm not, they're not going to break me. I wish they would have broken me and not God broken me. And one way or the other, God's going to break our will. We either do it or God's going to do it. If we allow our authorities to do it, it's a whole lot better than if God breaks us. The question is, do I know God? If I know God, I will humbly submit. If I don't know Him, I will continue to demand my way. So as we come to the time of invitation this evening with heads bowed and eyes closed, just a time of quietness between you and God, just a time for you to pray and talk with God where you're at. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll give you just a short time to pray and talk with God. But Christian, what would it look like if each and every one of us were just submitted to God? because that's ultimately who I'm seeking to please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I yield tonight to You. And Lord, I thank You for being our gracious and precious Savior. Father, how fickle and how wicked our hearts are, Lord. How often we've adopted a Western cultural mindset of me first, rather than, Lord, living in the fear of God. pray, Lord, that you'd change us. Lord, whereby people would see that we have been trademarked. and We are image bearers of the God who created us. Father, I love you. Thank you for challenging and convicting my heart. Help us in all we say and do to be pleasing to you. As we come to the time of prayer, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be set upon putting you first. I love you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.